Graham Ashcraft pitched a gym yesterday, and we're going to talk about why he looks like a mainstay in this rotation for years to come. Also, I've got one concern when it comes to Joseph Daniel Votto, and I'm going to tell you what that is on today's Locked on Reds. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds with myself, Jeff Carr, and Stephen Offenbaker, who is away for the day he will return on Monday when we recap this national series that is currently going on between the Reds and Nationals Great American Ballpark. But for today, we're Locked On Reds, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. On today's show, I want to talk about Graham Ashcraft. There are a lot of great signs, great comparisons when it comes to the rookie. And yes, he's only made three starts, but we're going to get into why he has looked so good and why this looks sustainable. Also, Joseph Daniel Votto got another home run. He is on quite the stretch. 12 games coming off of the COVID IL. Going to tell you about that stretch, going to tell you why I love it, and going to tell you why I'm concerned for Joey Votto for the rest of this season as we move through today's episode. But first, we are going to start with Graham Ashcraft because that was a beautiful performance. Seven innings of beautiful pitching. The one mistake that he allowed there to Josh Bell, a solo shot, but for the most part, just flawless on the day. And the most important part about him is not the ability to strike guys out. He's a little bit different in the way that he has pitched these first three games compared to Hunter Green. Hunter Green is doing amazing in the strikeout department. He is doing really good. Graham Ashcraft is limiting hard contact. How much did we talk about that with Wade Miley last year? Now we're talking about it with a rook. We're talking about it with a dude who comes up and can throw a 97 to 100 mile an hour cut fastball that still somehow induces contact with average exit velocity around 70. Lots of ground balls to 58.3% of the balls he's allowed in play have been ground ball variety. Absolutely great numbers when you're talking about the way that he has pitched this season. And he was absolutely confounding Nationals hitters, including Juan Soto, who is a phenomenal baseball player. I don't know if you guys have got a chance to watch him, but Juan Soto can play baseball and he can hit the baseball like nobody's business. Graham Ashcraft absolutely shut him down. I'm loving what Ashcraft is bringing to the table. And we're going to talk a little bit about his future and how the tea leaves look for him going forward. But I want to focus on what he's done in these three starts because he has put together an arsenal of three pitches that are really working for him. His sinker, his cutter, and his slider are just absolutely phenomenal because you're talking about a fast sinker and a fast cutter. Sinker averages around 96, cutter around 97, and the slider's at 84, which is pretty standard. And really, you like to see that so far as the difference from the cut fastball because they're both going to move in the same direction, but one's going to be a lot slower and hitters are not going to be able to time it up just right. And that's why you're seeing a lot of just bad swings, a lot of hitting just off the end of the bat, a lot of missed barrels. He does not give up hard contact. And I love to see that again. You want to see the strikeout rate come up. 
His strikeout rate and his walk rate right now are exactly the same, 8.9%. The walk rate is fine. He'd like it to be a little bit lower, but that's not bad at all. The strikeout rate needs to come way up, though. But overall, what he has put together has been phenomenal. And in that pitch uh, arsenal, something that I was looking at, according to StatCast, when you look at the spin that he puts on his three pitches, they compare very favorably to some very well-known names. The spin that he puts on his sinker is very similar to that of Adam Wainwright and Alec Manoa who we saw pitch a gym in Toronto. So that's a good comparison. His spin on the cutter that he has compares very favorably to Max Scherzer and Nestor Cortez. I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but the awesome mustache of Nestor Cortez has been pitching phenomenally well for the Yankees this year. And I mean, come on, Max Scherzer, dude needs no introduction. And then on the slider, love these names. He compares the spin rate is very similar, and this is according to StatCast. The spin rate of a slider is very similar to Walker Bueller and Marcus Stroman. These are phenomenal names. And yes, the whiff rate needs to come up a little bit, but he's got the makings of a very, very good pitcher. We're also talking about some good velocity. I mentioned he averages around 97 with the cutter, 96 with the sinker, 84 with the slider. The velo comparison on the cutter and the sinker are very nice. His cutter is actually three miles an hour on average faster than Corbin Burns. And we know how good that guy is. And his sinking fastball is exactly the same average velocity as Josh Hader. So we're putting together a couple of really good Brewers pitchers into Graham Ashcraft, and we're putting them out on the mound as a starting pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. You have got to love that. He is absolutely, and I mentioned this already before, but the key to any pitcher's success in Great American Ballpark is forcing ground balls and not fly balls, and he's done that. 58.3% of balls put in play are going on the ground against Graham Ashcraft. You love to see that from a rook, from a dude who's just starting to cut his teeth in the major leagues. And he looks like, I mean, the mentality on the mound, he's got a very bulldog, go get him mentality. And you love to see that. Plus, I mean, and teammates tend to, you know, tend to, you know, generalize and kind of make stuff sound a little bit more flowery than it is. But, you know, you had a couple of dudes talking about how he's just as nasty as Luis Castillo is. He's just not quite got the swing and miss stuff that he should be getting. That's coming. I'm looking forward to continuing to watch Graham Ashcraft pitch because his future is so bright. I'm going to talk about where that future, what that future looks like here in just a moment. As I talk to you about the future of your professional life, you, you're probably looking for a bit of a renaissance, a bit of a growth in your professional life. And the best place to do that is with LinkedIn jobs. And if you're somebody who owns a small business, LinkedIn jobs is the best way to hire someone faster that is going to be the exact right candidate for your job because you can create a job for free in minutes on LinkedIn jobs and you can reach a network and beyond for the LinkedIn network that is like 810 million people. I mean, that's a lot. That's a big number right there that you get access to when you create a job on LinkedIn jobs. Then add your job and the purple hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring 
so that your network can also get the word out and help you get to talking to somebody faster because they've got simple tools. LinkedIn does like screening questions that make it easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire because the process of hiring people can always take so long. LinkedIn jobs understands that they want to make it take shorter time periods. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week, nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MLB. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MLB to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We have an important favor to ask you. You've put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners just like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us you like and don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards to take our audience survey. Go to lockedonpodcast.com slash survey. We appreciate you doing that. And thanks for making Lockdown Reds your first listen. We're free and available on all platforms. Make sure you're following us on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. If this is your first time checking out Lockdown Reds here on YouTube, welcome. Thank you for watching. Uh, I talked about Graham Ashcraft, kind of broke down his profile a little bit, especially the uh, very favorable comparisons for his pitch arsenal. Let's talk about his future because Graham Ashcraft is a part of this team, is a part of this team's future plans. He is a guy that is going to be an important part of the rotation when they're competitive again in 2024. And he's showing why early on. Like I mentioned, you want to get the whiff rate up, but everything else looks phenomenal. Plus, I love the fact that he slots right in with Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo. Something Steve mentioned yesterday on the podcast, actually two days ago, whenever we were talking about the future of the Reds and the players who are going to be here, we didn't actually mention Graham Ashcraft, although it's very obvious he's going to be a part of this 2024 team. But he mentioned, is Hunter Green going to be the ace? Because he's not so sure. He thinks it might be Nick Lodolo and Graham Ashcraft. It's kind of a dark horse. I, I wouldn't say that he's a favorite to be the ace of this staff in 2024, but he has showed us that you can't just write him off of that competition, which is a beautiful thing. It's a great thing for the Reds to have three dudes who could possibly vie for ace. I'd love to hear what you guys have to think about this. I know it's only been three starts, so it's very hard to say one way or another that we know what this dude is going to be like in three years, but what we have seen in these three games has been phenomenal. Plus, you look at the fact Speaking of the other two pitchers, Nick Lodolo threw a bullpen session on Wednesday. He threw 30 to 35 pitches, and reports are he felt okay, so he's going to pitch again in a bullpen session on Saturday, which is great to hear because hopefully they can get him back. I talked about maybe you consider just shutting him down for an extended period of time because they were reporting back issues. So I I, I want the Reds to be very... Uh, conservative in their decision-making when it comes to Nick Lodolo. But if he continues to pitch in bullpen sessions and he's fine, then that's good news. And the fact that 
Hunter Green, we've been talking about him here recently, trying to figure out what's going on because the first three innings in Boston were phenomenal. He faced 10 hitters. He struck out seven of them, just dominating. And then in the fourth inning, they figured it out. And a lot of people, and including myself, have been saying, well, it's because the fastball is flat. It's because it doesn't move. Well, according to StatCast, that's not entirely true. In fact, StatCast says that Hunter Green's four-seam fastball isn't flat, and it has a higher average horizontal break than Luis Castillo. It moves horizontally more than Luis Castillo's four-seam fastball moves horizontally. Now, Luis Castillo definitely throws his sinker a lot more than his four-seamer, and of course his changeup too. But that's probably where Hunter Green needs to explore. When you're talking about Hunter Green becoming the ace that we all believe he can be, that I know that he will be, I'm saying this right now, he's going to be the best pitcher that the Reds have ever had. But in order for him to get there, he's not there right now. In fact, you can make an argument that Graham Ashcraft right now might be pitching better than Hunter Green. There's that's that's another podcast, and I'd like to pose that question to Steve to see what he has to say about that. But when I look at Hunter Green, I think that the thing he needs to do to get to that level of just awesome pitching is he needs to add some sort of moving fastball, sinker, cutter, something like that, two-seamer, just something to change things up because hitters know there's one of two pitches coming. It's a fastball and it's a slider. He threw his changeup one time in that start in Boston. That's not fooling anybody. And he, he's, I think that based on his usage of it, he doesn't trust it. So maybe he develops that changeup more in the offseason or over the course of this season and into the offseason, and he comes back next year with a much stronger changeup. But he has to have a third pitch. He's not going to be able to build a successful career as a starting pitcher with two pitches. He'll be a fine relief pitcher, but that will be a huge disappointment based on our expectations of him. Our expectations of him are to be the ace of this staff for years to come and a perennial Cy Young contender, and you're not going to do that out of the bullpen. So that's how, when I look at that, his fastball moves, so a flat fastball is not the problem. It's just a lack of a third pitch. It really is. I think we're making this, we're trying to find too many things when it comes to explaining why Hunter Green isn't the perfect picture right now. And I think that it's fair to remember he is a rookie. He's not going to be the perfect pitcher right now. And then Nick Lodolo, I, I, I think that he's got a very good argument and something that I told Steve, like he has a higher floor than the other two pitchers do right now and probably for the rest of his career because Graham Ashcraft, it's very obvious if he starts to lose command of those fastballs, it's going to be interesting. But he's limited the walks to this point, so I don't necessarily know that that is an issue that we have to worry about on a regular basis. But I definitely think that that Hunter Green is the favorite to be the ace in 2024, but then you've got Nick Lodolo second and Graham Ashcraft third, and there's a better than zero percentage chance that Graham Ashcraft is the ace in 2024. Just depends on what Hunter Green can do with that third pitch. All right, something that I had mentioned earlier in the show, and and I want to definitely get to this, is Joey Votto. Joey Votto has been phenomenal. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. Stunning since he got back off the COVID IL. He has hit to the tune of a 290 batting average. But even better than that, 
he has a 7-11 slugging percentage because he has 11 hits in those 12 games. Nine of those 11 hits are for extra bases. Nine. He is clobbering the baseball. And really, you can look at it and say, well, he's got three home runs. He probably should have had five home runs if, you know, he didn't get robbed in Fenway because of the, the wall and some people say the umpires, but whatever. I, I, I think that it was just crazy baseball luck that Joey Votto ended up with two doubles instead of two home runs. But more than that, in the 12 games back, he's struck out nine times and he's walked eight times. I love that. Because that's a lot of the classic Joey Votto mixed with the current Joey Votto of hitting for power, but also very good plate discipline. In fact, on uh, Baseball Savant, they talk about he's got a very high percentile in the walk rate and very high percentile in not chasing after bad pitches. He's still Joey Votto. It's just he's added power to his game. I love to see that. I have a concern, though about Joey Votto moving forward. And we're going to get into that after I tell you about Bilt Bar. Because Bilt Bar has this phenomenal flavor that you've got to try. They, they've got so many great flavors, whether you're talking about brownie batter puff, uh, cherry barcia. They've got, uh, the puffs are amazing. They're my favorite. I love a banana cream puff, churro puff, the birthday cake puff. Those were phenomenal. But now they've got caramel brownie. And it might actually be better than an, a real caramel brownie because the macros on this are phenomenal. We're talking about 17 grams of protein, 4 grams of sugar. Those kind of numbers make this Built Bar better than an actual caramel brownie. You got to check it out today. Go to Built.com and you can use the promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off this caramel brownie Built Bar. Go get you one today because who knows how long this is going to be here. I mean, you're talking about a caramel brownie Built Bar. You're putting together a lot of great things because the caramel flavor in and of itself is a beautiful flavor. But then you add on top of that, Built Bar covers it with 100% real chocolate. Oh my Gosh, I want to go get one right now, and you got to go get one too. Built.com, and use that promo code LOCKED15 to save 15% off your next order. Caramel Brownie Built Bar. Go get it. Go get it right now at Built.com. Make sure that you're following us on Twitter. You can follow myself at Jeff Carr with three F's. You can follow Steve at S. Offenbaker with two F's, and you can follow the show at Locked On Reds with no Fs, all on Twitter. We've got takes during the game. We'll talk about baseball outside the game. Mostly just baseball talk, though. Not a whole lot of other Although we will talk about Star Wars every now and then because I love me some Star Wars. Man, that new Obi-Wan series. Mm, just absolutely hitting the right spot for me. Absolutely love it. All right. The biggest concern that I have for Joseph Daniel Fado moving forward this season has nothing to do with him. It's not something that he can control. And in fact, it's something he's dealt with his entire career. What is his supporting cast going to look like? Because Jonathan India has been on the injured list for what feels like seven years. It's not been that long, but it feels that way. His hamstring, at least from what I read in the inquire, he's feeling 100%. His swing is fine. He's running fine. He's fielding fine. But the MRI continues to reveal that it's not fully healthy. It's not fully 
ready to go, and he could re-injure it if he starts playing now. So that tells me one thing. Don't play Jonathan India. I don't care if he says he's 100% healthy. If the MRI says no, no. I I want him to be 100% healthy for 100% of the time and not risk re-injuring. Because if he re-injures this again, like I don't know if it was a re-injury or if it just wasn't fully healed the first time or or whatever that was. But he was back for like a game and a half. He wasn't Jonathan India. He was a shell of himself. And then he went on the IL again. I don't want that. Because if that happens, you're probably shutting him down till the All-Star break, if not past that. So I don't want to see that. Get him healthy. Bring him back. But the supporting cast around Joey Votto, who else is going to hit? Joey, it's clear the power stroke is back. It's clear that he is doing what 2021 Joey Votto was doing. We are still seeing this late career resurgence of Joseph Daniel Votto in the batter's box. Everybody else sees that too. And if you're an opposing pitcher and you're looking at a lineup that has Joey Votto and a bunch of guys. Are you pitching to Joey Votto? And don't get me wrong, I love Tyler Stevenson, but we've seen Tyler Stevenson needs regular off days. Probably once a week, maybe twice a week. I I think once a week is probably enough, but you're still talking about a scenario where there is one game in a week where the only guy you've got to worry about in the Reds lineup right now is Joey Votto. And I understand the Reds are getting timely hitting, but it's not really coming from a consistent source. You're getting guys at the bottom of the lineup. You're getting Albert Almora that's getting some consistent hitting. We've seen Brandon Drury hit a couple home runs, but he's fallen off here recently. Tommy Pham is... <sighs> insert slap joke here. Uh, but there's just not enough consistency around him to worry opposing pitching staffs. Last year... There was a huge reason as to why Joey Votto did so well. Number one, it's him, obviously. He he is back. He's got his swing down. He's got his power stroke down. But when a opposing pitcher is getting ready for the 2021 Cincinnati Reds, they had to worry about a healthy Jonathan India. They had to worry about Jesse Winker. They had to worry about Nick Castellanos. And they had to worry about a Mike Moustakis who's not the shell of Mike Moustakis that he was. And, and really, he was hurt most of the year, so I don't even know that I count him. But they had to worry about three other dudes. All three of those dudes are gone from this lineup. At least for the time being, Jonathan India is not in this lineup. So why pitch to Joey Votto? And that is my biggest worry when I look at how he can perform the rest of this season. Knowing that other pitchers can just throw around him, just throw balls, and and we're going to hear... Get ready. You're going to hear some crazy takes of, well, he walks too much. If they're throwing the pitch in the other batter's box, I don't want him lunging at it. I want him taking the walk. So if you're an opposing pitcher, who else are you pitching to? Who else can step up and be a consistent threat in this lineup? Because I don't have a name for you right now. I'd love to say it's Tyler Stevenson, but you're counting him out for at least one game a week. And we've seen that there are some peripheral numbers that say he's kind of been getting a little bit lucky here recently. Hopefully those peripheral numbers come up and it's just an early season weirdness because early season baseball stats are so fun to look at because they're so weird. But can he consistently be the guy that causes other pitchers to have to pitch to Joey Votto? 
And I think he might need one other guy. I don't necessarily know that it's just one because in years past you had a Eugenio Suarez, but people were still pitching around Joey Votto and daring a Eugenio Suarez to beat them. So how does that look with this team? Is there any, or is there two guys that can step up and buoy Joseph Daniel Votto and cause him to actually get pitches to hit again? Because after the Nationals gave up that three-run home run to him in the first inning yesterday, they weren't touching that strike zone again. And I don't blame them. And I don't know that Josiah Gray or Eric Fetty or um, Patrick Corbin are really going to give him a lot to hit over the weekend. It's going to be interesting to see. That's my biggest worry when it comes to Joey Votto's performance this year. We'll see who can step up and help him out in this lineup. That's going to do it though for us here today on the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. If this is your first time, make sure you're subscribed. I've got so much daily content and Steve will be back with me. In fact, next Monday, we will be talking with Josh Neighbors from Locked On Nationals to kind of put a bow on this four-game set that the Reds and Nationals are playing at Great American Ballpark. That's coming up on Monday. And uh, now, also, thanks for making us your first listen. Go check out Locked On MLB. Sully's got you covered around the league with his unique perspective from baseball present and baseball past. That's Locked On MLB, just like Locked On Reds, free and available on all platforms. (sighs) We're going to see what Joey can do. We're going to see what the lineup can do around Joey. But we're really excited to continue watching some Graham Ashcraft as he is pitching very well. And the best place to get your daily Reds updates is right here on Locked on Reds.